Welcome to the A to Z of sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth. I'm an intimacy coach and psychologist. I created this show to explore the erotic alphabet, to help you learn more about desire and expressing your desires, discover ways to spice up your relationship and create that sizzling relationship you've always wanted. I do this through solid science, real life stories and interviews with an exciting variety of sex experts. Listen in weekly as I share key strategies to help you create your ideal sexual life. Make sure you join us to access even more sexual strategies on my blog, A to Z of Sex, access our monthly newsletter with subscriber-only offers at www.atozofsex.com. That's A-T-O-Z-O-F-S-E-X. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the third series of the A to Z of Sex. I'm Dr. Lori Beth. And I am your host. We are working our way through the erotic alphabet one letter at a time. Just a reminder, this podcast deals with adult content. So if you don't have total privacy, you might want to put on your headphones. Today, the letter is A and A is for aphrodisiac. Aphrodisiacs are substances that are meant to increase sexual desire and potency and they've been used throughout human history. The name we use comes from Aphrodite, the Greek goddess of love. At 16, I spent the summer studying Russian language at Harvard University. It was very romantic. I was young and free and without much supervision in Cambridge, Massachusetts. For those of you who don't know, this is a college town connected to Boston, which is also a college town. There are 62 colleges and universities in the area. I had the time to explore and the atmosphere was magical. Bill was a tall, sexy guy from Puerto Rico living in the same dorm. I really wanted to seduce him and I wasn't confident enough to believe he would want me without a complex seduction. A friend told me that the best aid to a good seduction is a good aphrodisiac. So I invited Bill for drinks and nibbles on a Friday evening and headed to the library to plan my menu. Now, I didn't have cooking facilities, so I had to find things that would be easy and not require any cooking. That Friday, I served raw oysters, chocolate, and champagne, and the seduction was successful. Did my food choices really act as aphrodisiacs? Is there anything to them, or is it just magical thinking? The research is conflicting, as context appears to have as large an impact on whether a substance increases libido or potency as the actual substance does. A lot of research suggests that aphrodisiacs work because we believe they will work. That is the placebo effect, or placebo effect, depending on what side of the pond you're on. This is when our own expectations make a treatment or thing work, i.e., We believe it, so it's true. However, there is research that highlights a variety of compounds that seem to work regularly as aphrodisiacs in certain situations. I'm going to start my tour of aphrodisiacs with the science, the compounds that science demonstrates works as aphrodisiacs. Then I'll move into natural aphrodisiacs, 
and finally end up with some recipes that you might want to try. For people with low libido, low testosterone levels have sometimes been found to be the culprit. If your testosterone levels are low, it is clear that extra testosterone will certainly increase your libido. Now this is true for both men and women. For natural um, substances that promote the production of extra testosterone, it only appears that this works with men. It's unclear if boosting testosterone will work with people who have testosterone levels in the normal range, but who are still feeling low libido or low desire. Certainly transgender people who take testosterone report an increase in sex drive. There are many people who take testosterone recreationally to increase libido as well. Phenethylamines are present in food and naturally in the body. These act as an aphrodisiac, but are quickly neutralized by the enzyme MAOB in food. The only way to keep the effect is to take an MAO inhibitor, which I wouldn't recommend you do unless you're advised to by a doctor, as there are some complicated side effects and interactions. Amphetamine and methamphetamine are derivatives of phenethylamines, and they are well known as aphrodisiacs. The intensity of aphrodisiac effect varies from person to person. Cocaine and methylphenidate can also act as aphrodisiacs, but cocaine in particular can cause erectile dysfunction. This can be extremely frustrating for the guy who has given cocaine to his date in the hopes that he'll get her into bed that night and then finds he can't perform. There are other drugs that have increased libido as a side effect but come with such negative consequences that they have, are never prescribed to help with problems with desire. At the moment, there are two or three substances that are actually under testing um, and going through trials in order that they can be prescribed for people who are having problems with low libido. Natural aphrodisiacs have always been more interesting to me. Are the oysters I chose to feed my date really aphrodisiacs and why? Casanova was an 18th century player famous for his conquests. In his memoirs, he told of seducing over 122 women, which today might not seem like a lot to some of you, but back then was scandalous. Rumor has it that he ate 50 oysters for breakfast every day. Dr. Fisher, a professor of chemistry from Miami, Florida, and his team of researchers discovered that oysters truly do produce amino acids that trigger hormone production, which increases libido. Oysters have to be eaten raw to be most effective, and the spring is the best time to eat them because they have both amino acids together, which will maximize that boost. Chili peppers work in a different way. These stimulate endorphin production, which makes you feel good, but they also increase heart rate and make you sweat, which is what happens during arousal. It isn't as direct an effect as oysters, but still quite effective. What about chocolate? Dark chocolate causes a dopamine spike, which gives us a serious spike in feeling good. It also contains phenylethylamine. The taste and texture are sensual, 
So altogether, chocolate can be an excellent aphrodisiac. The ancient Aztecs first used cacao as a sexual stimulant. Cacao ceremonies have become popular in the West in the last 15 years. Raw cacao is specially prepared and shared amongst the participants. These are said to increase feelings of love, increase sexual desire, and increase connection. Ginseng has been used to increase potency for men, and the research has found it will produce neurogenic effects that increases libido for both men and women. Historically, foods that looked like our genitalia were considered to be aphrodisiacs. Avocados, eggs, asparagus have all been touted as increasing libido. These have been seen to work on the principles of sympathetic magic. If they resemble something, then they're seen to have a relationship to that thing. For example, walnuts were used to strengthen the brain because they looked like brains. Now, some of these ingredients, like avocados and asparagus, also have um, chemical and nutritional composition that, that makes them useful as aphrodisiacs. In Egyptian times, lilies were considered to be aphrodisiacs. The scent of a lily was used in oils and unguents to aid in seduction. In the 8th century BC, that's in Roman times, the Remora fish was mis mixed into a po potion and sold in the marketplace to induce passion. For some reason, that really just doesn't sound appetizing to me. And in the 19th century AD, blowfish was considered to have powerful aphrodisiac effects. There is only one potential problem with fugu or blowfish. It is highly poisonous, and it will kill you unless it's prepared properly. In Japan, fugu is only able to be prepared by licensed chefs. From 2005 to 2014, 359 cases of fugu poisoning were recorded in Japan. At present, there are only 17 restaurants in the United States that offer the delicacy. Perhaps it was the fear of dying and the um the and so the release of adrenaline that made fugu an aphrodisiac prior to modern times aphrodisiacs were used as one of the most powerful tools in the arsenal to increase fertility remember that um fertility was less predictable um, than it is today. It may, the, the methods of why some women would get pregnant and some women would not get pregnant were less distinctly understood. So there were loads of things um, that were used in order to increase libido, potency, and fertility, particularly as it's not all children lived as well. We have far, I mean, certainly all children don't live in modern times, but we have a far lower uh, universal infant death rate than in the Middle Ages, for example, um, and children were incredibly important in terms of a family's survival. So um, aphrodisiacs were definitely something that was uh, looked on as essential in order to help increase fertility. Nettles were one of the things that were used to increase lust, and they're still used today in, in herbal fertility preparations. Some of the historical aphrodisiacs seem to have actual aphrodisiac properties. Oysters is one of these. 
cinnamon and cardamom are also considered aphrodisiacs because of the increase in blood flow that they provoke. Garlic as well is known to increase blood flow and improve sexual energy. The one I found the most amusing was celery. Celery actually has two chemicals, androsterone and androsterol that increase libido. Pomegranates improve blood flow. Asparagus, excuse me, asparagus increases the circulation in the genitive urinary system, and this leads to increased desire as well. Probably one of the most famous aphrodisiacs is Spanish fly, which is actually made from beetles. This has a long history of provoking intense desire and is also an extremely dangerous poison, lethal in small doses. One of the best roots with a lot of proven research is maca root. There's a significant body of medical evidence that maca will increase libido. Now, there are many different types of maca. And it's important that whatever maca you're using is the correct type of maca for your stage of life as well as for your problem. And that you're using it in the correct dose. Natural Health International produces three maca products for women under the um, name of Feminescence and one for men. And all of these help increase libido as one of their qualities. Macapause is for menopausal women. This helps with libido, hot flashes, dryness, and a host of other menopausal symptoms. This product is fantastic. 15 years of research and clinical trials have gone into the product. You can see the research and you can also get advice from the medics for your individual situation on the website, feminescence.com. They'll talk with you online in live chat or via phone, or they'll engage in email correspondence with you. And I can tell you they're really helpful. Some substances that have been used as aphrodisiacs in the East have led to extreme destruction in the animal community. In traditional Eastern medicine, tiger penis is used to treat erectile dysfunction. Despite the myth that rhino horn was used for the same purpose, Experts say it has never been used as an aphrodisiac or in Chinese medicine for that purpose. Black market dealers in rhino horn from Vietnam have helped to push this Western myth as it increases demand. And of course, the hunting of rhinos for their horns has driven them almost into, uh, almost into complete extinction. Ambergris has been added to scents to create some of the most sensual and aphrodisiac perfumes ever created. Ambergris is actually made up of the contents from the intestines of a sperm whale. It is thought that primarily it, it, it coats the inside of the intestines so that they don't get irritated by the indigestible parts of squid and shells that, that um, the, the whale takes in. It floats on the ocean until it eventually washes up on the shore. There is some controversy as to how it gets out of the whale. They used to call it whale vomit, but um, uh, scientists think actually that it's um, defecated rather than vomited. Uh, the best ambergris spends years oxidizing from the combination of salt, sun, and air. And the competition to collect it is fierce as it sells for over $9,000 per pound. Possession of ambergris has been illegal in the U.S. since 1972 because it originates from the endangered sperm whale, but ambergris comes out naturally 
You don't kill the sperm whale in order to get the ambergris. Excuse me. It is still used in some of the finest perfumes. Um, although recently they've discovered that one of the balsam furs also produces a similar kind of scent. And so some um, newer perfumes are being made with the balsam fur instead of the ambergris. Having smelled both types of products, I'll tell you that I still think the ambergris are far sexier. The ones containing ambergris have a far sexier smell. But the price continues to rise. And so that makes it prohibitive in the creation of perfume. The scent of vanilla produces feelings of relaxation and euphoria and is often used as an effective aphrodisiac. Researchers found the smell of licorice to be the scent that aroused women the most. Sandalwood has been used in tantric sex rituals forever. It's associated with increasing the power of orgasm and creating calmness. Jasmine can names indole, which is a compound also found around human genitals. And it's one of the most long-lived aphrodisiac scents. Peppermint is the scent most likely to be successful in boosting a woman's low libido. And it also wakes us up and keeps us alert, which is quite useful if you want to have good sex. Alcohol has been traditionally used as an aphrodisiac throughout the ages. Alcohol is a system depressant. It slows us down, reduces inhibitions, and makes us more receptive to the seducer's advances. Of course, this only works when alcohol is used in moderation. Too much alcohol and erections don't happen. Too much alcohol and people fall asleep. So those are some of my favorite aphrodisiacs um, and some of the most unusual. Here are some of the recipes I use if I want to get my lover in the mood. Number one on my hit parade is still raw oysters. Make sure they're fresh and don't open them until you're preparing to serve. Chilled, I serve with a little cocktail sauce. Now, in my cocktail sauce, I put a small amount of horseradish, ketchup, and lemon. I don't do terribly well with really spicy stuff, so I don't add Tabasco. Um, but many people really enjoy adding Tabasco, um, and others add Worcester sauce as well. My second, chocolate fondant. Now, this recipe takes about 45 minutes to make. I use good quality dark chocolate chopped into pieces. The better the chocolate, the better the dessert. So, um, what you need is 50 grams of melted butter for brushing on it. And actually, mostly that's for brushing in the molds. Excuse me, cocoa powder for dusting. And 200 grams of that quality dark chocolate. 200 grams of butter in small pieces, 200 grams of golden castor sugar, four eggs and four additional yolks, and 200 grams of plain flour. Um, you can use caramel sauce, or vanilla ice cream, or fresh whipped cream to serve. Sometimes an orange sorbet is a really nice touch. The first thing you do is get the molds ready. So you wanna brush the melted butter all over the inside of the pudding molds and put them in the fridge or the freezer. Then brush more melted butter over the chilled butter and then add a good spoonful of the cocoa powder into the mold. And you tip the mold up so that it completely coats the butter. Tap any of the excess cocoa 
into a jar and then repeat with the next mold. Place the bowl over a pan of simmering, barely simmering water. And this is when you want to be melting your chocolate. This is the best way to melt chocolate. Slowly melt your chocolate and butter together. Once it's melted, remove from the heat and stir until it's smooth. Leave it to cool for a good 10 minutes. In a separate bowl, whisk the eggs and yolks together with the sugar until thick and pale and the whisk leaves a trail. You can use an electric whisk for this and I usually do. Sift the flour into the eggs and then beat it all together. Pour the melted chocolate into the egg mixture in thirds, beating well in between each addition until all of the chocolate is added and the mixture is completely combined to a loose cake batter. Tip the fondant batter into a jug and then evenly define it, divide it between your molds. Now these fondants can be frozen for up to a month and cooked from frozen. So this is great um, because you can just make a bunch and stick them away and only take them out and need 20 minutes preparation before you can serve them. You want to chill them for at least 20 minutes or up to the night before, or you can bake from frozen and just add five more minutes to the cooking time. Heat your oven to 200 degrees C in a fan oven or 180 degrees C in a gas oven, which is gas mark six. Place the fondants on a baking tray and then cook for 10 to 12 minutes until the tops have formed a crust and they're starting to come away from the molds. Remove them from the oven and leave them to sit for a minute before you turn them out. Loosen them by moving the tops gently so they come away from the sides and ease them out of the mold. Make sure that they've come away and then make them ready to plate up. It is absolutely yummy. Another one is chicken with saffron and raisins. There's a link to this recipe in the podcast notes. I love this recipe, but I tend to eliminate the sherry and add extra chicken broth. Just delicious. Here's a great one for autumn when you're experiencing an Indian summer. It's a fresh take on lemonade called vanilla bean lemonade. This is lovely. You use a cup of fresh lemon juice, three quarters of a cup of, of a simple syrup. And there's a recipe for simple syrup in case you don't know how to make it. Two tablespoons vanilla bean paste, eight cups of cold sparkling water, crushed ice, and fresh basil or mint leaves for garnish. I tend to use the mint. That's my favorite. And you whisk together the lemon juice, the syrup, the vanilla bean paste in a large pitcher and refrigerate the pitcher if you're not gonna serve it immediately. When you're ready to serve, you add the sparkling water to the pitcher and stir to combine. It is absolutely delightful. And again, the link is in the podcast notes. Another recipe I love is pine nut brittle. Now pine nuts are chock full of zinc, just like oysters, and they produce the same aphrodisiac results. They're a great little whack of protein, and it's a delicious little sweet that you can munch with a cup of tea or a drink, for that matter. Again, the link is in the notes, but for this, what you need are two tablespoons of butter, a tablespoon of baking soda, two teaspoons of vanilla extract, two cups pine nuts, two cups sugar, salt, one cup of corn syrup, and a half a cup of water. Now, if you're not happy with corn syrup, check out what kinds of alternatives there are.
Um, I have successfully used molasses, but it does change the flavor. This will take you about an hour and 40 minutes. The prep time is 20 minutes. They have to sit for an hour and then there's another 20 minutes for cooking. Probably one of my favorite recipes is pomegranate chicken. Uh, this is a Persian recipe, recipe and it's called fensenjun. I love this dish. There are lots of variations as to how you might want to cook this. Um, it's a scrumptious, sensual dish. Sometimes I use whole chicken thighs uh, instead of pieces, and other times substi I substitute duck. Sometimes I change the walnuts for pecans. I recommend serving it with your favorite rice. If you serve it with aphrodisiac, with another... I recommend serving it with your favorite rice. I serve it with saffron rice because that adds even more aphrodisiac qualities. Um, the link to this, again, is in the podcast notes. It is absolutely gorgeous. You'll need a, a large yellow onion dice, three to four tablespoons of olive oil, a quarter cup of pomegranate molasses. Um, if you want to decrease your sugar, um, you can create your own pomegranate molasses by getting an eight ounce bottle of palm juice and reducing it with a little bit of lime juice and a pinch of salt for about 45 minutes and then set aside to cool. You'll need a cup and a half of walnut halves two boneless chicken breasts or boneless chicken, four boneless chicken thighs, two cups of low sodium chicken stock, two tablespoons of honey, a half a teaspoon of turmeric and a quarter teaspoon of salt. Pinch each of cinnamon, nutmeg and black pepper. Now I add more than a pinch of cinnamon. I tend to add about a half a teaspoon of cinnamon. There are many variations on this one, but this recipe is a really, really delicious one. Highly recommend it. There are a couple of mocktails that can be turned into cocktails that work very well as aphrodisiacs. Um, these are from the New York City Museum of Sex. The first one is the Night Flower. This one has eight ounces of almond syrup, 10 raw blanched almonds, and eight ounces of distilled or tap water. That you use to make the almond elixir. For the jasmine elixir, you use a half a cup dried jasmine flowers and 24 ounces of tap water. So you make the elixirs first. For each elixir, what you wanna do is you wanna put the ingredients in a small saucepan, bring them to boil over high heat, reduce to moderate and simmer uncovered until they're reduced by half. Usually about 15 minutes. You can prepare these in advance and they can both be refrigerated for up to two weeks. Now to make the night flower, you use the juice of one lime, a quarter cup of granulated honey, two ounces of almond elixir, two ounces of jasmine elixir, two ounces of simple syrup, ice, 
and nine ounces of soda water. You put the lime juice onto a small plate and spread the granulated honey on a second plate. Dip the rim of the 12 ounce glass into the lime juice and then dip it on into the granulated honey to lightly coat. Pour one ounce of each of the elixirs into the glass and the simple syrup into the prepared glass and add ice and soda water to fill each glass. Absolutely scrumptious. Another one is the Lucky Devil. Again, from the New York City Museum of Sex. You're gonna make two elixirs again before you make the drink. For the cinnamon elixir, you use one tablespoon of ground cinnamon and two fresh as possible sticks of cinnamon and 16 ounces of distilled tap water, distilled or tap water. For the cardamom elixir, one tablespoon of whole cardamom pods, 16 ounces of distilled or tap water. You make the uh, elixirs the same as in the previous recipe. You bring the ingredients in a small saucepan to boil over high heat, then reduce the heat to moderate and simmer uncovered until they're reduced by half, which should take 15 minutes. Again, they will last in the refrigerator for two weeks. Want to make the lucky devil? Here's what you do. You will need the juice of a lime, granulated honey, two ounces of each of the elixirs and the syrup, ice and nine ounces of soda water, and saffron rock candy for garnish if you can get it. Now, um, again, what you're gonna do is dip the rim of the 12 ounce glass into the lime juice and then into the granulated honey to lightly coat. Add one ounce of each of the elixirs and the syrup into the glass, add ice and soda water to fill and garnish with the rock candy. However, if you are somebody who would like to add alcohol, you can add two ounces of rum, Calvados or vodka to each to the drink. I would recommend rum. Tastes scrumptious, fabulous aphrodisiac. And again, the link is in the podcast notes. And the last recipe I will share with you is a three minute healthy chocolate fudge recipe. For those of you who would like to do something with raw cacao. Now in this recipe, um, it says use cocoa powder. Do not use cocoa powder for this recipe. Use raw cacao powder and quality counts, get the best that you absolutely can. So this takes a total of 10 minutes. Get 210 grams or one cup of coconut oil. Make it good coconut oil. Extra virgin, highest quality you can get. Three tablespoons of honey or maple syrup, depending on your taste, and 80 grams of raw cacao powder one teaspoon of vanilla bean paste or vanilla extract, a pinch of salt. So prepare a small loaf or brownie tin, line it with parchment paper, tin foil, or cling film. In a heat-proof bowl, you want to melt your coconut oil and whisk it until it is completely liquid. Add in the cocoa powder, that raw cacao powder, honey or maple syrup, vanilla, and salt, and whisk again thoroughly. You want no lumps to remain, and what you should have is a glossy dark liquid. And it really will develop a sheen. Put your mixture into the prepared tin, and top it, if you want, with nuts, coconut, sprinkle a bit more salt, add a couple of um, raisins or sultanas. Maybe you want to add a little bit of orange peel. 
which would be fab or candied orange peel, even fat, more fabulous. Put it in the fridge in an airtight container, and it should keep for a good seven days. You want to put it in the fridge until it's set before you serve it. Takes about an hour to set, maybe a little more. If you want to speed things up, stick it in the freezer for about 25 minutes. And you peel off that parchment paper and cut it up in squares. Yummy. Remember, check with your intended about food allergies before you start serving them aphrodisiac food and drink. If you plan to seduce your lover into the bedroom, don't prepare a meal that's too big. You don't want to be too full to be comfortable being physical. Thanks for joining me for the A to Z of sex. Write to me with suggestions for the show, questions you want answered at drlorybeth at a to z of sex.com. That's D R L O R I B E T H at A T O Z O F S E X.com. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram, where I'm at Dr. Bisbee, that's D-R-B-I-S-B-E-Y, and Facebook, where I'm Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. Check out my YouTube channel as well. You can find my channel, The A to Z of Sex with Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee, on the Bon Bon Network. For a free 30-minute strategy session with me, please go to https colon forward slash forward slash A-T-O-Z-O-F-S-E-X.com forward slash, and click the button that says schedule now. If you enjoy the show, please leave me a review on iTunes and Stitcher. The next five people who leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher will receive a free coaching session. Now that is a value of 250 pounds. Why not join me for my free teleseminar on 11 October, https colon forward slash forward slash the dash intimacy dash coach dot com forward slash three dash steps forward slash to learn my three steps to sexual satisfaction. All of these links are in the podcast notes. I hope to see you next week when the letter is B. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the A to Z of sex. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review here on iTunes and make sure you head over to www.atozofsex.com. That's A-T-O-Z-O-F-S-E-X. To subscribe to my free newsletter to help you keep your sex life sizzling. Stay tuned for upcoming weekly episodes as we work our way through the sexual alphabet to discover the wide world of sex, sexuality, desire, and intimacy. Knowledge gives you the power to create relationships that bring you satisfaction and joy. Hope to see you next week.